Life Audio. Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity, and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today I'm going to be continuing my series on apologetics. um, And this one is going to be on the missing links, quote unquote, in the fossil record. Darwin's original tenets of his theory, as laid out in his 1859 seminal work, The Origin of Species, were these, that all organisms evolved from a common ancestor via minor undirected changes, and that natural selection determines which of those random mutations gets passed down to future progeny. Variations that confer a survival advantage allow the creature who inherits it to live long enough to procreate and pass down that change to the next generation. Darwin successfully demonstrated microevolution with his Galapagos finch study, showing that finches confined to a particular island would evolve differently shaped beaks over time in accordance with their available food sources. Similar processes have been demonstrated within many other species as well, and few would dispute that such microevolution does in fact occur. But Darwin then extrapolated this process, assuming that over the eon such tiny changes could allow one species to evolve into another. Leaving aside the philosophical objections we've already covered in previous episodes such as irreducible complexity and information theory negating the possibility of this occurring, is there any evidence that it nevertheless did occur? If it did, the fossil record should be riddled with examples of transitional species, some of which might have been dead ends, but many of which should have been ancestors halfway between one species and another. Darwin himself wrote in The Origin of Species, quote, Why then is not every geological formation and every stratum full of such intermediate links? Geology assuredly does not reveal any such finely graduated organic chain, and this, perhaps, is the most obvious and gravest objection which can be urged against my theory. The explanation lies, as I believe, in the extreme imperfection of the geological record. In other words, he figured that in time, and with acceptance of his theory, and with scientists all over the globe searching for such evidence, the missing links would eventually be found. So, 164 years later, with belief in evolution, dominating almost the entire scientific community, have any fossils of missing links ever been found? 
A quick YouTube search on evolutionary fossils presents the first arthropod, mollusk, insect, etc. as missing links. They're the first because of where they were found in the rock strata, where deeper is older. But all of the creatures presented are part of recognizable classes of creatures alive today, though these exact species are often extinct. This means that they're the end of a line. They're not an intermediate on the way to anything we can identify. Some of the species aren't extinct at all, though, and the same organism is still alive today. This is what evolutionists call stasis, no no change. No, no evolutionary change over millions of years. The only possible true missing link of which I'm aware is one found in the 1860s during Darwin's own lifetime called Archaeopteryx. It was a fossil showing characteristics of both both a bird and a reptile, and it is the basis of the widely supposed belief that di- dinosaurs are the ancestors of birds. Larry Martin, paleontologist from the University of Kansas, said in, 18, in 1985 that Archaeopteryx is not a true transitional species, but merely an extinct type of bird. According to Wikipedia, 12 such fossils of Archaeopteryx have been found, and all around the same they were all around the same area of Germany encased in limestone since only 12 fossils of this exact same species were found in a very localized area martin's explanation makes the most sense we should have found many more intermediates all over the world in various stages of transition if the hypothesis that dinosaurs were the ancestors of birds was correct we also wouldn't have expected the two to coexist either if one were the ancestor of the other but apparently according to both the smithsonian and national geographic they did A few other possible contenders for missing links have been found over the years, but the case for each of them has been weak at best. One was Jabba Man, found in 1891, supposed to be a missing link between humans and apes. All that was found of it was a skull, a femur, and three teeth. These were later determined to belong to three different species. Another was the Piltdown Ape, found in England in the 1900s, also speculated to be a missing link between apes and humans. In November 1953, however, Time magazine published collected evidence of multiple paleontologists that this ape, too, was comprised of fossils from three different species. The BBC later called it the biggest hoax in British history. Peking Man was found in China in the 1920s, another supposed common link between apes and humans. All that was found of it were fragments of skull and teeth. Yet another was Lucy, found in East Africa in 1974, another supposed common ancestor between apes and humans. Because of the structure of her knees, hands, and feet, which were not at all similar to humans, Dr. Charles Oxnard wrote in his book Fossils, Teeth, and Sex, New Perspectives on Human Evolution, that Lucy was an extinct species of ape. It would be a decided understatement to say that the fossil evidence for evolution is underwhelming. One possible counter-argument for this is that it is exceedingly rare for an organism to become fossilized in the first place. This is because of the putrefaction of microorganisms, which consume dead organic material. The Smithsonian Magazine writes that fossilization can occur via a few mechanisms, petrification of bone or wood, or from an organism being very rapidly consumed by sediment that later turns to rock, tar, or amber, protecting the dead material from putrefying organisms. While most living things, therefore, do not become fossils after death, one would think, if Darwin's theory were true, that there should still be many more intermediates than there are recognizable species today. There's an even bigger problem than the lack of transitionary fossils, though. The rock strata defies the narrative of painstakingly slow evolutionary changes over a period of millions of years. Instead, even in Darwin's own time, he became aware of and was troubled by the contradictory evidence of the Cambrian explosion, also dubbed the biological Big Bang. The deepest strata of rock beneath the Cambrian demonstrates only fossils of single-celled or simple multicellular organisms. Then, suddenly, the layers of rock believed to correspond to the Cambrian period 13 to 25 million years ago showed nearly every phyla of animals alive today fully formed. This is true worldwide of the strata belonging to this period. 
The biological Big Bang raises several additional questions. First, what happened in the Cambrian period that allowed so many creatures to become fossilized all at once when fossils are generally rare? In many cases, the fossils found are even of soft-bodied creatures, which should putrefy quickly after death. Preservation of these in such exquisite detail would certainly require very rapid burial. Also, land animals appear alongside marine animals in the Cambrian period all across the globe. What could have caused such intermingling of creatures that do not otherwise cohabitate? A global flood mentioned in Genesis 6 comes to mind. Darwin wrote in the sixth edition of The Origin of Species to the question of why we do not find fossiliferous deposits belonging to these assumed earliest periods prior to the Cambrian system, I can give no satisfactory answer. Evolutionary paleontologist Stephen Jay Gould later said, The extreme rarity of transitional forms in the fossil record persists as the trade secret of paleontology. The evolutionary trees that adorn our textbooks have data only at the tips and nodes of their branches. The rest is inference, however reasonable, not the evidence of fossils. He went on to propose the theory of punctuated equilibrium, in which one species makes a large jump rather than a series of tiny changes predicted in classical evolution to explain the deficit of the fossil record, though this mechanism is philosophical even more fraught than tiny progressive changes would have been. So uh, I will leave that for your pondering. Thank you for joining me and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you. So please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren Deville. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth, unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.